In the past two weeks, I ran a 48-mile race and PR'd a marathon. Your first thought is probably why or somewhere along the lines of you're freaking crazy, dude. Today, I want to recap what I learned through both of those experiences and actually save you a little bit of trouble of going through either of them. Unless, of course, you're like me and you enjoy a little bit of crazy in your life. In the Austin Marathon, I finished in a time of 3 hours and 12 minutes, a 32-minute PR from my previous races, and in the 48-mile race, known as the 4x4x48, David Goggins Challenge, where you run 4 miles every 4 hours for 48 hours, I got to finish with the legend David Goggins himself, while averaging the fastest 4 miles over the entire thing, my last 4 miles at a 6.33 per mile pace. This is episode 169, a masterclass on exploring your limits. You're tuned in Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I'm your host, Corey Camp, Forever Athlete founder and your personal flow coach, helping you optimize your life one conversation at a time. As an athlete, I've learned myself and really about myself the best through physical expressions. And these past two weeks have, quite frankly, been filled with Plenty of physical expressions and physical exertion coupled with really some intense recovery uh, so that I can do both of them. I've learned you can only go as fast as you are willing to go slow and the data gathered through both of these experiences confirmed just that. But before we really dive into it today, I want to let you know about the Forever Athlete Away Games coming to LA this May. May 5th through the 8th, it's the best way to explore LA's beautiful west side here in Venice as we will be doing everything from personal development workshops to workouts on the beach, eating our way around town at some of the best local hidden gems, of course, and making lasting life teammates in that process. Our first one actually just wrapped in Austin, and I promise you don't want to miss this next one. Head on over to foreverathletela.com to learn more and grab your Early bird limited edition tickets. I can't wait to see you there. Now, on with the show here. My marathon was a tough one, right? From two large blisters about the size of, uh, I would say, about four to five inches in length along both of my feet to bloody nipples. My legs ached as they finished the last six miles. Definitely came up against that physical wall that you've probably heard about so often before in marathon running, right? To combat it, though, I actually ran with no headphones the first 20 miles, and then I had a curated playlist that actually helped me get across that finish line at the end there. And I have to give the course designer a head, a head nod, a hand, because he's twisted in the head. He decided that it would be a novel idea to finish this 26.2 miles off with a half-mile hill that was then capped off with what seemed to be the steepest hill I've ever seen in Austin. I was able to fast walk it, and now there becomes a point when you are running that incline running especially, you have to make this judgment, this decision for yourself. Is it going to be more energy to run it or walk it? And at that point in the race, I knew a fast walk would be more effective and more efficient and forgiving on my body in the long run than me running up that hill. So being able to cross the finish line after that, from there, I was handled handed this pretty gnarly medal, which is actually doubled as a belt buckle, which is just Texas things, right? Also, I ran into former podcast guest Nick Bear at the finish line, where I totally blanked and had post-race brain and couldn't formulate anything worthwhile in conversation with him. It was pretty embarrassing, but if anyone understands that, it's Nick. He and I were able to laugh about it afterwards. 
here's what I learned about this marathon experience compared to the past ones that I've done. First thing, you don't have to necessarily run a ton of miles to run fast over a long distance. Smart intentional training through well-programmed runs and complementary strength training goes a long way in performance and keeping you healthy. Number two, I can't seem to run and drink out of a cup of water. I felt like a literal toddler as I was spilling about 90% of every single cup that I grabbed from those hydration stations along the way. It really made it a challenge to actually stay hydrated throughout this whole process and it's something that I'm going to continually practice and develop as I move forward here. Number three, always carry snacks with you. Always. I'm a huge gummy fan, always have been, always will be. I actually carried two packets of Stinger Energy Chews in my fanny pack because you got to love a handy-dandy fanny pack as you're running, right? Along the way so that I could munch on a couple whenever I felt like it. It ended up being about one or two gummies every probably three or four miles throughout that process. It also helped me keep my mind off the blisters that would develop later on in the race. Now, speaking of those blisters, once your mind becomes aware of something wrong going on with your body, it's a challenge not to think about it. I did a poor job of being able to not think about the blisters on my feet and definitely got into my own head about them probably around mile 18 or so. It's amazing how quickly your mindset can change on the really drop of a hat. That's the real challenge behind, I think, any marathon. It requires your total focus for three plus hours at a time. Even the best of us can let our mind wander and slip up at some point during that time frame, of course. So it's only natural to try to train getting it back on track. I had a, a real challenge, though, getting it back on track and off of the blisters on the bottom of my feet. What I did notice about this one compared to the, my previous two marathons, this is the first one that I did with a crowd. And running with a crowd, I knew people had told me before, but I actually had yet to experience it until now. It really does make a huge difference. Makes a world of a difference, actually. From friends in the race itself to strangers all along the roads, it felt damn good to not be alone in my struggles as the blisters were developing, as my legs started to get heavy. A perfect representation of what Forever Athlete really is all about. You're never alone in your struggles. And when you have those around you that have your back in that process, you can push past those limits a little bit more and really let things rip. Being able to feed off the energy of the environment was massive for me and helping me stop going down that rabbit hole of my own thoughts later in that race. Last thing here as far as the Austin Marathon is concerned was recovery and walking post-marathon was really the last thing that I wanted to do but the biggest and most beneficial thing and helping me bounce back into regular life. I remember back to my first race Ran it in Ocean City, went from Ocean City to Rehoboth Beach, finished in Dewey Beach, Delaware at the Starboard and met some friends there, slugged an orange crush, ended up on a boat the rest of the day, day drinking, and man, did I pay for it. Work hard, play hard mentality left me unable to walk normally for four days, let alone not being able to jump and generate power, and I just felt like I didn't have that bounce that I was so used to having in my lower body. It was, was not worth it, 100% not worth it. No amount of fun is worth that if you ask me. 10 out of 10, don't recommend a boat day post-marathon race. After Austin, I was able to fuel up with a solid meal. Shout out to my buddy Austin Suter, actually, who got me this handy-dandy sweatshirt that I'm wearing now because I was also pretty cold, threw this on, felt nice and cozy, and he bought me a meal. He's a rock star, all-around solid guy, and also former podcast guest on the show. Go check out his episode as well. 
with the meal, I was actually able to then go over to a gym called Collective there on South Congress Street in Austin. They have these TheraBody compression leg sleeves to help me flush out my legs for 30 minutes. It was great. You just throw those babies on. You sit there. You relax. You chill. Austin and I just kicked it and, and chatted and had a pretty good conversation. From there, we then coupled with 10 minutes of mobility and stretching and honestly had me feeling pretty refreshed and rejuvenated the same day. After a few more meals and a good night's sleep and walking around, I was able to wake up with a recovery on my WHOOP score, 42%, which might seem like, okay, that's not that high, but let's break that down. My resting heart rate was elevated about six beats per minute to about 49 beats per minute compared to my normal 43, and my respiratory rate was also slightly elevated. This was a really good indication that my body was in need of more rest and the physical strain that took a toll on me, but it didn't really knock me on my ass as other things have in the past. Now, for reference, when I would drink, and I unfortunately, I don't have the whoop data back to first marathon. I would love to see what that looked like, but post-second marathon, what I noticed is when I would go out, drink, have a time like that, most mornings, the next day I would wake up somewhere in a recovery range of 1 to 15%. Yes, it was that low. And resting heart rate would be somewhere around 55 to 60 beats per minute and horrible sleep quality. Again, all around 10 out of 10. Don't recommend. Pretty wild that a night out back then had more of a physical impact on my body than a marathon would have now. The Austin Marathon overall, great experience. I definitely now have the confidence that I think I need to dip under that three-hour mark in my next one, which would hopefully qualify me for the Boston Marathon, which is a race that has been on my bucket list ever since two years ago, kind of deciding that I'm going to get into this whole running thing. This first marathon that I've done where I actually wanted to keep running afterwards as well, which is pretty wild, which leads us to this 4x4x48 challenge, less than two weeks post-marathon. Why did I have this idea to run an ultra marathon just two weeks, less than two weeks after running a full marathon? Because I'm crazy and I wanted to test my limits. I wanted to see what was possible and I wanted to be able to actually record this episode looking at the data and comparing the two and share those insights with you all. I actually ran only once in between the the marathon and the 48. It was a short three-mile shakeout, just honestly to see how my legs were actually feeling and if they would hold up for this. I decided to start the challenge itself, the 4x4x48, on Friday night and started at 6 p.m., right? So this would give me a 6-10-2 split, which is the best way to do it in my opinion, so that I would really only be having one middle-of-the-night run compared to those who opted to do the more traditional 12-4-8 split. I didn't really want to run at midnight and then again at 4 a.m. What this means on a rotating schedule, I would run at 6 p.m., 10 p.m., 2 a.m., 6 a.m., 10 a.m., etc. for the next two days. So I started off the first few runs with my buddy Seth, who actually came up from San Diego. It was a super windy run on run number one, but we overall felt pretty solid We opted to get a big dinner after this first one because we were both really starving. And that was actually where we first went wrong. Our first mistake of the 48 hours happened one hour in. Turns out salmon curry with rice, calamari, and Brussels sprouts isn't really the best thing to set you up for success here with this challenge. My digestion was absolutely wrecked for the next 12 hours. My stomach felt like it had this bit of a rock in it. But for the first 10 p.m. run, 
that next one there. It's actually faster than the 6 p.m. one. I felt like I was really starting to loosen up and start to feel good. Legs were feeling pretty solid. We got back, rinsed off, and attempted to sleep for whatever time we had left there, which ended up being about a th- two and a half to two hours and 45 minutes or so once you factor out the cool down, the warm up, uh, and warming up for that next uh, run itself. So I started off by that time, really, that alarm went off, 1.45 a.m. to get ready for that first 2 a.m. run. I was actually amped up. I was the most fired up for that run. I think the adrenaline of knowing that I was doing something pretty crazy really got me going. And this led me to an epic run at 2 a.m. at a 7.03 pace, which was absolutely ripping it for what the pacing turned out to be over the course of these 48. Um, And ended up being my second fastest of the 12 runs in total. It also led me to get horrible sleep after the run itself. I didn't shower either, so my core temp was elevated afterwards. My body had really kind of no idea what it was going on. So the first 6 a.m. run after that was much more of a drag because I really started to feel the effects of sleep deprivation start to creep in in that process. Trying to find the balanced sweet spot of running fast to get more time to recover and rest, but not too fast that you're so amped up and your core temp is so elevated and unregulated, causing trouble sleeping, was really the challenge that I was better able to handle as we got into night two because I was able to learn from my mistakes of night one. As this challenge really continued to progress here, I decided it was best to prioritize sleep during the night time block of 10 to 6 and prioritize active recovery like stretching, ice baths, mobility work, and flushing out my legs during the 6 to 10 portion of the challenge. The biggest thing was to prioritize but not neglect the others. I made sure to take 5 minutes to cool down with some stretching and then hop in for a quick rinse off shower and some lukewarm water. And this is why. You wouldn't drive your car at 60 miles per hour down the road and immediately throw on the parking brake and come to a screeching halt, right? You would wreck your car's engine and not to mention cause a whole bunch of other issues to the vehicle itself. It's the same thing with cooling down after physical activity in general. Taking the time to slowly bring your body down, cool it down, bring it back to baseline ensures prolonged performance and less risk for injury long term. Makes all the difference. During the day, while I prioritized the active recovery portion, I also took a handful of naps as well to really help make up for that sleep depth that I was starting to accumulate as this challenge went on. Thankfully, I also had a few more friends join me. My buddy Q Williams, Lauren Donahue, and Andrew Feinstein came on up and joined me for that 2 p.m. run on Saturday, which is a great one. It was super windy, probably the most winds, 30 mile per hour winds out here off the coast. And we went and chose to go in a little inland to counteract that, to try to avoid the worst of those winds. Thankfully, they also helped me go at a much slower pace and really get in this refreshing recovery run of sorts that I wouldn't have gotten in otherwise. Afterwards, we got some acai bowls, fantastic, one of my favorites, and I took an ice bath as that put us at the halfway point, 24 miles in, less than 24 hours. It felt really good. All things considered, having 24 miles under my belt, legs still felt pretty fresh, and thankfully the blisters from Austin were a non-factor for the bulk of this whole experience. I also took some time to reflect and make some adjustments as I went there. I think that's a huge takeaway. As so many of us set out to go do something, especially a 48-hour challenge, or we set out to go do something today, some feedback is going to come up along the way, and it's our 
our duty, our responsibility to allow space for us to pause and listen and see what that feedback is telling us and then change the game plan accordingly. That's what I was able to do at 24 hours, pause, listen, what's going on, what can I do better? Two biggest adjustments that I chose to make from there were I need to make a a change fast with food and the liquids that I were consuming. And the second was altering my core temperature to help me get to sleep faster at night. Every single minute counts when you're really on a crunch time like that. So both of these changes paid off big time for me on the back half of things. I made the switch to a lighter, easily more digestible foods that allowed me to really get the calories that I was needing without having to worry about my stomach getting too upset and messed up again. This meant probably more fruits, not probably more fruits, it meant more fruits. More fruits, we were doing smoothies, acai bowls, finger waffles with honey, cereal, small salads. I wanted to really be mindful of the volume that I was eating. Typically, I'm a huge volume eater. I love to eat a ton of volume. That's why I love large salads, grain bowls, you name it. But and I, I couldn't eat that amount of volume without really causing some irritation to my stomach. So played around with some smaller volume and it paid off. As for hydration as well, I kept forgetting during day one, honestly, to hydrate and to drink water. So I went with flavored water. I just threw some liquid IV into my water bottle. And that actually helped entice me to drink more. And I noticed a huge difference in just how I was feeling overall energy levels because of it. Most of the time, if we are feeling anxious or irritable, it's probably because we're dehydrated. So a little bit of water, maybe your mouth is a little bit dry right now. Take a second to pause and, and grab some water. It goes a long way in, in helping you out with performance. As for adjusting my core temp prior to sleep, at night it made a huge difference, which actually allowed me to get 10 more minutes of sleep in night two compared to night one, and 20 more minutes actually during that 2 to 6 a.m. window when I went, quote unquote, back to bed after a 2 a.m. run. Sounds like nothing, but trust me, it makes a world of difference in the long run. Being able to cool your core temp helps signal your nervous system that it's time to switch over to rest and digest, and it will help you fall asleep faster slash stay asleep because it stimulates natural melatonin release in your body. This is the reason why I believe ice baths before bed can be such a game changer to your overall sleep quality. The second 2 a.m. run was the first one that I really didn't want to be out there, but as I got through it, I was reminded about the progress that I made at this point in my life. At one point, I ran past a bunch of the bars here on Abbott Kinney, letting out, and it really felt like I was in a movie at this point, running through a crowd where no one seemed to notice me. They were just in their own world, and I was in my own. It made me think back, though, to a time where how my body was responding to this challenge versus how it would respond when I was one among that crowd leaving the bar. Even with two nights of trash sleep and intentionally wrecking my nervous system by doing this challenge to see what would happen, I still had better biomarkers from resting heart rate perspective, heart rate variability, and respiratory rate perspective at least, compared to some of the nights out that I used to have. That's absolutely wild to me to think back that I was able to put such a toll on my body going through on these 2 a.m. runs and it was still less than a night out of partying. It also reaffirmed my decision to stay sober and continue to explore myself in other healthier ways that are serving me at this point in my life. Nothing wrong with you if, if that's how you choose to get down on the weekends. I see you. That's cool. Go for it. As I got into the day two, the second day of the challenge, with three runs left, 
I called an audible as well. And really what would allow me then to align so that I could finish with Goggins down Hermosa Beach. This meant that I would do a 6 a.m. run, a 9 a.m. run, and a noon run. That noon run being down in Hermosa. Sacrificing an hour between those last two was a challenge in of itself. But the second to last run was the time I really felt my legs start to tell me, yo, bro, like you've put 40 miles on us. What are you doing? Like, why are you still running? My IT band and hip flexors really started to feel inflamed, but being able to do some manual release and hip mobility drills before and after each of those runs really helped me make it a little bit more manageable. I think my favorite moment throughout all this was doing the the phone-to-face videos of mile markers and yelling out splits. Mile 40, I want to say it was 42. Yeah, mile 42, I was running along Main Street here in Venice, and it just so happened mile 42 came as I was passing through a cafe, outdoor eating area, and it just felt like such a cool feeling, pulling out my phone, shouting, mile 42, 8.50 or 8.30, whatever the time was, I don't even remember, but shouting that out and catching everyone's neck in the cafe around me. Everyone looked at me and was like, I can see it on their face in the video of like, this dude's really, he's run 42 miles and he's that fresh. Like, this is, this is insane. So then I knew I was, I was going to crush the rest of this challenge. So as I then decided, all right, it's time to go down. We're going to go down to Hermosa Beach, finish this thing out, right? We have one last one to go. Took a nice bath again, pre helped my legs start to feel good, flushed them out, stretched a little bit. My buddy, Andrew, uh, picked me up, caught a ride with him down to Hermosa to finish out. And there was more energy there in that crowd than the marathon. I, I swear to you. There must have been fi- 500 plus, I was about to say 50, 500 plus people all out there showing out for this and to ch- really just have this chance to run with Goggins. And I honestly, I hate running with a crowd. That was one of the hardest parts about the Austin Marathon, starting off with literally thousands of people packed in like sardines. I wanted nothing more than to like get out there. But when 26 miles are ahead of you, you don't want to like rip it too fast out of the gate. Uh, But with the four miles, I was like, you know, I need to get out of this crowd. I need to get out ahead. So I was able to to force me out front, push that tempo a little bit and really create the small pack of people. We just, we let it rip, man. It was, it was great. This run, honestly, those last four miles felt the best out of all of them. 44 miles under my belt, and I was able to feel like I was flying as I was going when I got going. And my pacing showed it. It was the fastest of all 12 legs of that race. The best part was it felt light. It felt easy. It felt like I could have kept going, which is a wild thought to have in your head as you finish 48 miles, but that's exactly how I was thinking. All in, though, the Goggins Challenge was harder mentally than the marathon for me. But it wasn't as bad as the real physical experience of the marathon. I really felt like I could finish with something left in the tank in the Goggins Challenge, whereas with the marathon, I really felt like I was gassed at the end. The sleep deprivation really got to me, and I really noticed it affected my ability to process my emotions as well. And looking at the impact that sleep deprivation and an elevated Uh, heart rate variability has on your ability to emotionally regulate and handle things such as anger um, was actually very interesting to see real time. I'm usually pretty easygoing, go with the flow if you guys know me at this point. But on the 11th leg, 
I remember running through this one portion here and a car came out of a gas station driveway and nearly hit me and I actually flipped him off. It's the first time and I can't tell you how long that I really felt this anger uh, pour over me and my innate reaction be like, I'm going to flip this guy the bird and damn, does that feel good? Um, but in the grand scheme of things, something relatively minor in the grand, like I should have been able normally to just be like, all right, that dude's kind of kind of a jerk, didn't really see where he was going, but I'm going to like forgive him. That's my usual reaction at this point, 11 legs in, 44, we're going on 44 miles. I was pretty angry um, and kind of took it out on him, but it's all good. I think he totally understands it as well, right? This whole experience, I think, really continues to show that if you want to perform at your best, you need sleep to be a priority for you. I saw a spike in resting heart rate indicating my body was really busy at work repairing and not really resting as much as it is used to and a dip in my HRV, my heart rate variability, which is really a good indicator for your ability to emotionally regulate and switch back and forth in and out of flow and just overall optimal performance. Both, both of these markers though, I want to I highlight, they return to baseline with normal within a day or two after the 48 miles. It's actually in the green, had a, a 74% recovery first day after 48 miles compared to the 42, which further makes my point of the mental challenge being the 48 miles and the physical challenge being the 26.2 in the marathon. Kind of crazy when you really break it down and look at it. The body and mind are incredibly resilient. They can adapt and adjust to challenges if you allow them to. The biggest takeaway is this, slow down to speed up. If you want to go fast in your life, you have to be willing to go slow at times. Knowing when to press that gas and when to hit the brakes helps you find your flow. And at the moment, I'm going slow. I don't have any races on the books and honestly, I'm totally okay with that. I'm going to continue to have fun with it and listen to my body in that process. As a last thought here as we wrap things today, we do have our Forever Athlete away game coming to LA May 5th through the 8th. It's a four-day intimate personal development weekend where you come together and connect with like-minded individuals as well as yourself on a much deeper level. The spaces are extremely limited to ensure everyone has the best possible experience here. Tickets are on sale now for early bird pricing over on our website, foreverathletela.com. Go check out the full itinerary, everything that we have planned. You're going to love it and hear what others have to say about the one that we just did in Austin. Remember, you're tuned in to Forever Athlete Radio, where together we go far. I can't wait to see and hear what you do with what you learned today. Your mind and your body are capable of so much. Just give them the playground to explore and have fun with your potential. Until next time, flow on, my friends.